how you defeated danger. We're talking about Abraham's incredible journey of faith. And boy, did he have a journey. But let's look at what the Bible said. Pay real close attention. Notice this is prior to Genesis 12. We tend to put the launch of Abraham at Genesis 12, 1 through 3. But it wasn't. It was at Genesis 11, verses 31 and 32, where God first called Abram. So let's read it. One day, Terah took his son, Abram, his daughter-in-law, Sarai, his son, Abram's wife, and his grandson, Lot. Everybody say, who got in all kinds of trouble. And they moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans, and he was headed where, everybody? So they left Ur to go to where? Canaan. But look what happened. But they stopped at Haran, and what'd they do? Uh Uh-oh. They settled in the wrong place. So we're going to talk about that. Father, thank you for your blessing on the Word of God today. I pray for the encouragement, the uplifting, the edification, the exhortation of the saints. And bring to us, Lord, a rhema word that speaks to us right where we are. Where we will leave this place knowing the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Can you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, I receive your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you're going to make it to Canaan. You can be seated. You're going to make it to Canaan. Now, as I shared with you, Genesis 11, 31 and 32 is the beginning of the call of Abram before he was Abraham. The call of Abram happened in Genesis 11, 31 to 32. And I want you to notice that it says that Terah, Abraham's father, was the one leading the way. Now, that's very, very important. I'm going to show you why in a minute. We know for a fact by what we just read that it was to Abraham that God's word came. It didn't come to Terah. It came to Abram. And God spoke to Abram and revealed himself to Abram, not his daddy. Now, when Stephen was preaching his last sermon on earth, and right before he was going to be stoned to death and become the first Christian martyr of the church... Here's what he preached to all those angry, seething, furrow-browed, Sanhedrin uh, religious leaders. Here's what he said, brethren and fathers, brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father, Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. And look what he said to him, and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives. Catch that. Get out of your country and away from your relatives. Some of you would like this word. (laughs) Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Stephen preached that. Now, I want you to catch this. It's beautiful because our God is a sovereign God, a providential God, and our God is a God of surprises. God surprises us. How many of you would like for God to surprise you sometime soon? I think that's why we like Christmas, because we're going to get surprises, right? We should. 
When I was a kid, I was famous for getting into the gifts sometime during the week when no one knew and taping them back where no one knew. I have very little surprises. But guess what? God, God brought a surprise to a man named Abram. He appeared, God appeared in this idolatrous, godless city. It says the glory of the Lord appeared to a pagan man. That was Abram. He was not a man of God. He didn't know the real God. He was a, an idolater, an idol worshiper. And God appeared to him out of the blue, surprised him. A pagan named Abram saw the glory of the Lord. The Lord revealed himself to him. Now, we don't know in what way. But Stephen said, the God of glory appeared. The, the Greek really reads, the, the, the glory of the Lord appeared. The glory of the Lord appeared to Abram. We don't know how he appeared. If he appeared visually, if he appeared um, in his hearing, we don't know how he appeared, but he made himself so manifest that it was undeniable that a God that Abram had never known, wasn't taught about, had revealed himself to him And in that visitation, God had one word to say to Abram, listen carefully to this, get out of here so I can bless you there. Get out of this place so I can bless you in another place. Do you know what? When God first appears to you and to me, his word is almost always come out so you can come in. Get out of here so I can take you there. Get out of this cursed place so I can take you to a blessed place. God is a God who calls us out. As a matter of fact, I was thinking today that Abram was called out of three different places in the Bible. He was called to leave Ur. He was called to leave Egypt. And he was called to leave Haran, as we're going to see in a minute. Ur was his past. Egypt was the world. And Haran was his compromise. He was called to come out of his past, called to come out of the world, and called to come out of his compromise. So God said, get out of here. God's saying that to some of you right now, somewhere in your life, get out of here, get out of this place, get out of here so I can bless you there. He never takes you out and leaves you in a vacuum. He takes you out so he can take you in and whatever he takes you into is far better than what you came out of. I'm going to say that again because some of you got it here, but not here yet. He takes you out of a bad place to bring you to a good place. Our God is not a divine tease. He calls us out to call us in. He calls us out of being cursed into being blessed. He he changes us. But we've got to be willing to follow him out of our past, out of the world, and out of compromise. Now, here's what I see here. He says to Abram, you come out, and you leave your relatives and your daddy here. But Abram's father, Terah, was clearly persuaded and influenced and affected by Abram's vision. So Terah took it upon himself to lead the family out. So here's Abram following somebody out who God told him to leave there. The Bible reveals that God didn't tell him, hey, grab your dad and grab Lot and grab your family and leave. The Lord has said to Abraham, leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family, and then go to the land that I will show you. Leave your relatives, leave your father. That means leave your father here. Abraham didn't do that. 
He disobeyed God. He took his daddy and he took Lot, both of whom greatly troubled him in his journey of faith. You could say he carried dead weight with him. He carried, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but he carried baggage with him that God told him to leave behind. You know, the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. There's weights and there's sins. A weight may not be sin, but it's something that holds you down and hinders you and pulls you and is a drag on your spirit. Terah was a, a weight and Lot was a weight. Now, Abraham didn't do it. He took those two. And what we're going to see today is it matters who you travel the king's highway with. Oh, does it matter? It matters who you travel the king's highway with. No wonder the Bible says, come out from among them and be you separate. No wonder the Bible says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Does Satan have with Christ? What fellowship? Let me give you a spiritual reality check. Let me tell you the, the truth of what's happening with everybody in this room. When God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. But when Satan wants to destroy you, he puts a person in your life. You know why they both do it? Because they both understand the power of relationship. They know that the devil knows if he can sow the wrong person into your life, he can stop you. He can hinder you. He can thwart you. He can discourage you. He can sully you. And God knows if I can get the right person into your life, I can bless you. I can bring you up higher. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. If I can get you with the right person, they will take your hand and make you go down that highway of glory and of obedience faster than you would have. They will assist you and help you and hold you up and hold your hands up. It matters who you walk down the king's highway with. Now, I see three dangers that Abraham encountered on his journey of faith, and they're the very dangers that we encounter in our journey of faith, and we're all on one today. We've all left Egypt, and we're all headed towards Canaan. This is a, this is a, a beautiful, just when you read about Abraham and his journeys, it's just a physical metaphor of a spiritual truth. We're called out of Ur, our past, and we're called to go to Canaan, the promised land. For us, the promised land is the kingdom of God and ultimately heaven. So we're on a journey from A to Z, from here to there, and we're all in the middle of the race. And there are dangers in that race, and I see three in Abraham's. First, he encountered the danger of looking back. The danger of looking back. Something happened when he got into the promised land. Here he is, he's obeying God, he gets into the promised land, and what happens? A famine strikes. Suddenly he's in a famine. And there's no food anywhere. In the promised land, he was experiencing a dry time. So you ought not be shocked if you, in your walk with Christ, experience a dry time. You ought not say, well, this must not be real. Or God has shortchanged me. No, God tests us in dry times. God strengthens us in dry times. We learn to get into the word and into prayer in dry times. David said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Because before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now that I've been afflicted, oh, now I keep your word. Hallelujah. 
a famine struck. And you know what Abraham did, the man of faith, the father of our faith? You know what he did when he was still Abram? He said, we better get out of here and we better go to Egypt. And the Bible says that they went down to Egypt. Anytime you return to Egypt, which is always in the Bible a picture of the world, you are going down, not up. When you go back to Egypt, back to that world, back to those old friends, those old ways, those old habits, those old hangouts, you're never going up. You're going down to Egypt. And can I tell you the truth about that place, that world out there? She is a cruel mistress. That world out there will hug you, caress you, say sweet nothings in your ear, call to you. At first will seem to bless you, but then her face changes. And you find that that world will throw you into the street and shut the door in the freezing cold and leave you to die. But there is another one who won't ever do that. His name is Jesus. When you get into a famine, you seek the Lord. You go to the Lord. You turn to the Lord. Because he won't ever walk out. As a matter of fact, when everybody else walks out, he walks in. He's your friend that sticks closer than a brother. But Abram was learning faith. He was learning to walk with this brand new God he'd never known until out of the blue he appeared to him in Ur of the Chaldees. So he's learning. Now, he made two mistakes when he decided to go down to Egypt. Here's the first one. He he decided that Egypt, the world, was the place that would provide for him and protect him, not God. So he looked to the world for provision and protection. When God has said, I am your Jehovah Jireh, I am your provider. And I am Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is always ever present. I am ever there. I am right there. I'm next to you, above you, below you, around you. I've enveloped you. You can't get away from me. I'm there. But he he forgot about that God. Or he didn't trust that God enough. And he went down to Egypt. You know what happened in Egypt? Nothing but catastrophe after catastrophe. He almost lost his wife. He lost his testimony. He lost his walk with God. But there was an even bigger mistake than not trusting God. He didn't seek the Lord about his decision. He didn't ask God, okay, Lord, it's a famine. Wow, I'm in a real tough spot here. It's dry. It's arid. It's it's, it's really difficult right now. He didn't say, what do you want me to do? He panicked and said to Sarah, babe, not really, that's... I'm going down to Egypt. Let's go. And she went. We don't find Abraham one time asking God what to do. You know what you do when you're in a famine? You ask the Lord who sees and knows what you're in, knows what you're experiencing, and won't condemn you. What do I do, Lord, in this time of famine? And you know what the Lord promises in the Bible? Even in the time of famine, he will provide for you. In the time of famine, he will come through for you. Listen, listen, no devil in hell, no flesh on earth can keep God's provision away from you. When God decides to get it to you, he's going to get it to you. And he will get it to you. Just ask Elijah, who had room service from a raven for a year at the side of a brook. A raven brought him meat and food twice a day and he wasn't charged taxes and he wasn't charged a bill. It was given to him by God. When God wants to provide, God will provide. But it's our danger as well. Have you noticed that it's in the times of famine 
that we make bad decisions. Let me give you a principle. Never make a major decision when you're discouraged or when you're weary. Don't make a major decision. When you're discouraged or when you're exhausted, don't make a major decision. The only decision to make is I'm going to draw near to him. I'm going to come. Listen, those that wait upon the Lord. That's a Hebrew. The, the word wait there comes from a Hebrew word that means to wrap yourself around. Those that literally grab hold of God and won't let go. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Old men will outrun young men if they're waiting on the Lord. Because here's what happens when you get into a time of famine. Satan will seek to exploit what you're going through. And he swoops in and in that little voice that he uses and disguises often as your own thinking, Satan says, well, where is God? God doesn't care about you. And what happened to the power of prayer? You've asked for help and nothing is here. Why don't you just turn back and re-enter the world? Anytime you hear that voice that says, go back to the world, the old habits, the old ways, you can know where that's from. He's the liar and the father of lies. And the way you know Satan is lying as if he's talking. But here's Abraham. He's made terrible mistakes. He's lost his testimony, almost lost his wife, lied about her being his sister. He turned to lying and everything else in Egypt, but he realized the error of his ways and he returned. He returned. So even though he looked back, he didn't stay back there. Now, let me ask you a question before I go on. Are you back in the world? In any area of your life, have you returned to the world? Are you looking to the world? It can be a person. It can be a place. It can be a thing. Are you looking to the world to provide for you and protect you when only God can do that? If you are, God is using me right now to lovingly call you out of Egypt. Come out. He called Abraham out, and he's calling you and me out. Now, Here's the second danger I see, the danger of standing still. Now, here's where it gets interesting. We read in our text, we already read it. Let me read it again. Terah took his son Abram. Look at Terah leading. His grandson Lot and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Canaan is in their focus. Canaan is in their line of view. Canaan is their goal. But it says, but when they came to Haran, they stopped and they settled there. Now, listen carefully to me. Haran is more than a physical location Abraham stopped in. There are people here today that are in their own Haran. Haran is a place of compromise. Haran is a place where we say, you know, that is a one long journey I'm looking at. So I'm just going to take a pit stop into Haran. And you pull off and you take a detour, and that detour becomes permanent. Notice, first they stopped there, then they pitched tent there, then they built a house there and started raising children there. Before you knew it, they had settled there. How many people start and never finish? How many people come out of Ur of the Chaldees, the world, say, Jesus, come into my heart, and they head for the promised land, they head to Canaan, and they don't make it. They take a pit stop in Haran, and there they stay. They never reach their full potential in God. They never reach the end. They never come into the fulfillment of their real destiny. I like what Paul said. He said, not that I have already 
gotten there. But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching for what lies ahead, I press toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I've not gotten there yet. I haven't reached the end yet. I haven't broken the tape at the end yet, but guess what? This one thing I do, I'm forgetting what's back there and I am reaching forward to what is ahead of me and I intend to fully, fully obey God and break the tape and do the will of God. So we see Abram, they're headed to Canaan and he stops and he settles, he settles, he settles for. He settles for. I could rename Heron settle for. He settled for less than God's best. He settled for less than God's will. He settled for. First reason he did it was disobedience. He disobeyed God. We've already gone over that. He disobeyed God. He allowed his attachment to his daddy to co-opt his obedience to God. And boy, did he pay a price. Did he pay a price And you say, well, Jeff, why would God tell him to leave his daddy? That's easy. His father was an idolater. And God did not want Abram dragged down by somebody who was still worshiping the moon. So he said, leave him behind. I'm calling you to a better place. I'm calling you onward, upward, and forward. You're going to have to leave some things behind if you're going to get what is ahead. You're going to have to say goodbye to some things to say hello to some things. And that's the way it always is with God. Abram allowed his attachment to his father to take precedence over God's word. Rather than following the call of God, Abram followed Terah to be in, to Haran and, to, and he allowed him to be in charge of the journey, not God. So because of his attachment to Terah, Abram stood still and didn't advance in the call of God. And just like Abram stayed in Haran until his father died, we also, folks, can be detoured into our own Haran in order to please friends or family. And you're not going to hear messages like this in a lot of churches. A lot of churches won't touch anything that requires a little bit of suffering or sacrifice or pain. But you know what? That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus told us the truth. Are you ready for this? Let me give you a hard saying of Jesus. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. And then he told us who he meant. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, and even almighty you. And then he said, otherwise you cannot follow me. You know why? Because not everybody's going to go where you go. A lot of people aren't going to understand your walk. So here you are, you're obeying God. You're going on with God. You got somebody right here. Say, so what are you doing? Let's just take a pit stop into Haran. What are you doing? This is what happened with him and Terah. Terah said, let's stay in Haran. And Abraham was torn between a rock and a heart place. The rock being the will of God. The heart place being his daddy. And he went the wrong way. He said, okay, dad, I'll stay in Haran. And you know how long he stayed? He stayed until his daddy died. And he chose to stay until he buried his father. When Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead, you follow me. Now, here's Jesus' whole point, that that 
if a relationship is holding you back from going on with God, you always choose God over that relationship. Because the enemy knows the power of connection. And he knows if he can get you good and connected to the wrong person, it's extremely difficult to break away and obey God. That's why I say to all of you singles, be careful who you hook up with, who you decide to go out with. Check them out. Run a legal check on them. Find out if they're telling you the truth. (laughs) You think I'm joking about that, don't you? I'll give you the, the, the web address to do it. Because the enemy will give you, listen, the enemy, you know what terror is? Wheat and terror. A terror looks just like wheat until it's full grown. You can't tell the difference between wheat and a terror until it's full grown. Jesus said wheat and terror grow up together all the time, and you can't tell the difference until they're full grown. So you've got to pray for discernment. You, you need that Superman vision looking through them and finding out who they are. Because if the enemy can plant the wrong person in your life, it's so hard to walk away and obey God. But if the Lord can get the right person in your life, oh, what a blessing they are. Kathy has never held me back from the will of God. She has never held me back from following the Lord. She's always amen me. Now, there was, there was a season when she was pregnant. Can I tell the story? When she was pregnant, I mean, she was pregnant. We got a call to go to East Texas and start a church, our very first church, very first church. So we're driving down there. I had a little stick shift car. We're, we're driving down there to East Texas. Population in this town, a total of 1,600 more people in this church than in this town. It was my first church, and we're driving down there. And what was it we got contrary about? Whether or not we were going to move down there. Because, you see, there was no mall. Uh-oh. There were no women's stores. There were no restaurants. There was a dairy queen. <laughs> And so we're, we're driving along, and I said, Kathy, I really think we're, we're going to end up moving down here. We're not moving down here. There's not even a mall. Well, I really think, and we got in contrary. She said, stop this car. So we're out, and all this looking is cows over here in a field. So I pulled over, and I said, where are you going? I don't know. She gets out, slams the door, and starts walking along. <laughs> And what I did, I put it in first gear and just kind of followed. (laughs) Where are you going? I said, you know, you're going to have to get in sooner or later. So she kind of got out of her system and got back in. And and (laughs) I mean, I would never, listen, but it was a point where I was saying, I think the Lord's telling us to go down there. And she hadn't gotten that word yet. Some of you men know what that's like. You got to wait for the woman to get the word. Because if, you know, it's true, if mama ain't happy, you're not happy. A happy wife makes a happy husband and makes a happy life. Well, apparently, clearly, she got back in. And we did move down there, and it was blessed. Amen? All right. But Jesus said, you put me above every person or you're not going to make it to the end. 
you're not going to make it to Canaan. You will never fulfill your ultimate destiny unless you got the right people walking with you. I think Abraham didn't go and stayed in Haran because it was a difficult road. 400 miles. They were, Haran was 400 miles from Canaan. They didn't have private planes, private jets, jets, period, buses, cars, motorcycles, even bicycles. They had camels with humps. <laughs> Try getting your wife on one of those for 400 miles. So I think it was really easy for them to say, you know what, we'll just stop in Heron and we won't stay long. Months turned into years. Do you know that he left when he was 75 years old? You know the price he paid was that he never started serving the Lord until he was an old man? Jesus said, if you think the road's going to be sweet and covered with rose petals and never a problem, then you don't know what you're thinking. Because Jesus said, remember what I told you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also. He said, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. Not one of the saints in Scripture ever had it easy in serving the Lord. None of them. They all paid a price. Let me tell you the truth. Sometimes there's going to be long stretches of difficulty. There's going to be times when everything in you wants to walk away. There's going to be times when you don't understand. I've told you I have a file, and the file is marked, things I don't understand, and it's fat. And I have it, the file named, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean to your own understanding. There's some things I'm going to ask the Lord when I get there. But until then, I walk by faith and not by sight. And that's what Abraham was learning to do. Peter said, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. It's not weird. It's not odd. It's not unusual. You're not an exception. If you're going through a hard time, God is going to use it. I promise. The Bible says he will use it to produce patience, without which we're told we will never reach maturity. I believe he might have even stayed because he was getting rich in Haran. It could be the money got in the way because the Bible says Haran was the final stop before you hit 400 miles of nothing. So you know what a lot of travelers did? They made a pit stop in Haran. You know what a real estate person would have said about Heron? Location, location, location. <laughs> and so they stayed there. And they said that they got rich there. I know that because it says when Abram finally did obey God's call and leave all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Heron went with them. And some of you might be in a Heron because you're making money because... It appealed to your material taste. But listen, if you're taking Haran over God's perfect will, if you're taking Haran over Canaan, then you may make money in Haran, but your soul is going to grow lean and you're going to end up in a dry place. So he 
had the danger of looking back and the danger of standing still. And he stood still for years. There was one last danger, danger of giving up. Listen to what Abram had gone through when his daddy died. Abram had lost his father. He was now an older man. A daunting 400-mile journey stretched in front of him. 31 powerful and godless Canaanite kings awaited his arrival in the promised land. And Sarah was still barren. What's this? God told me I was going to have a son. What a temptation it must have been to remain in Haran. Don't you know the enemy? And I know the enemy. And I know how he talks to people's minds. Don't you know the enemy swooped in right about now and said things like this to him? It's too late. You've missed your chance, Abe. Sarah, have a baby now. Are you kidding me? Have you looked in the mirror lately? Have you looked at her? You must be kidding. Give it up. Stay here. Stay here in Heron. You'll be rich and happy and die. Why go on that 400-mile journey? Why fool with Canaan? Why mess with that? Why don't you just stay here? Well, that's the voice of the enemy. He's always telling us to stay where we ought not be. Why don't you just stay here? Danger of giving up. I believe he was so tempted to quit and say, you know, I'm too old. I missed my chance, missed my prime. I'm going to stay put. Here's what I find interesting. I want to close with this. This blew me away. I never thought about this until this week, but you're going to love this. It is here in Heron when he's a 75-year-old man, when God appears to Abram, not the first time, but the second time. The first time was Genesis 11, 31, 32 that we just read. The second time was Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Most of us are taught that the journey of Abraham starts at Genesis 12, but it doesn't. It starts in Genesis 11, 31 and 32. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 is the second time God has come to him. When he first visited him in Ur, here's all he said. Get out of here and go to a place that I will show you. That's all he said. Get out of here and go to a place I'm going to show you. That's the only word that came to him. But in Haran, when he was stuck, in Haran, when he was like a turtle, rolled over on his back, flailing and could not get back up. When he was in Haran, a place of his compromise and a place that represented failure. When he was in Haran, God came to him. And you know what God did? He multiplied the promises to him. It's in Haran that God said, hey, let me give you some incentive. Get out of here and I'm going to make you a great nation. Get out of here and I'm going to make your name great. Get out of here and I'm going to bless you. And everybody that blesses you, I will bless and curses, I will curse. Can our Washington government hear that, please? God said, because of you, through you, Abram, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. Look what God is doing. You know what God is doing? Here's my point. God showed more compassion and mercy on Abram in the place of his failure Oh, catch this, church, because we so often think, oh, man, I've messed up. God's done with me. The devil will tell you, look what you did. God's done with you. The devil will say, you might as well stay in Haran because God's finished with you. I know the enemy said the same thing to Simon Peter after he denied the Lord. 
I know that he said it to Moses after he killed somebody. I know he said it to uh, all many, many different saints throughout the Bible. You might as well quit because God's not happy with you. But you know what our God is? He is merciful. His mercies are new every morning. And in the midst of your failure, in the midst of your failure, he multiplies his promises. Come out of here and I'm going to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask for or even think about. Man, I came to preach today. I hope you came to listen. I want you to catch this. Our God is a forgiving God, a merciful God, a gracious God, and his mercies are multiplied. You know where? Right in the middle of your failure. In spite of his disobedience, God hadn't give up, given up on Abram, and he hasn't given up on you. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Some people even use their failures as an excuse to fade to black. But no, no, you can't because God's hand is still on you. God's call is still with you. His voice is still reaching. Come out of Haran. Come out of Haran, the place of compromise. And I'm going to bless you. Abram heard all these promises and says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave. He said, come on, Sarah. Come on, let's go. And as a 75-year-old man began a 400-mile journey, they made it to Canaan. You know what I love? 25 years later, he's even older. Sarah's 90. They've obeyed God. There's been fulfillment of some of the promises, but the big one, because none of this can happen without a child. So when he's 100, honey, I have something to tell you. What? What? I'm pregnant, dear. Say what? I'm pregnant, dear. How can that be if you looked in the mirror, woman? Well, what about you, dude? And... A 90-year-old woman began to show. And no wonder when Isaac's born, when the baby's born, they called him laughter. <laughs> Can you believe this? It's too much. It just makes me laugh. Is it possible? Part of the reason she hadn't had one is as long as they were in Haran, they weren't blessed. But when they got into Canaan, the miraculous began to happen. It's so important to be where you're supposed to be. Right? So let's stand together, can we? So say with me, the danger of looking back. The danger of standing still. The danger of quitting. Can we lift our hands to the Lord right now? Because I'm talking to people, most of whom are on a journey of faith with Jesus.
And I've shared this word so that these dangers would not take you. So can we just go to the Lord together in prayer? And let's, let's say this together. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Help me to not look back. Help me to not look back. For protection or provision. For protection or provision. From this old world. You are my provider. You are my provider. And Lord, help me. Lord, help me. To not stand still. To not stand still. Take me out of Heron. In any area of my life where I'm there. And then, Lord, strengthen me today to not quit. There's a word on my heart. I want you to listen to me. You're closer than you think. You are closer than you think. God's blessing is going to come your way. Don't give up. He's working patience in your life so that you can be spiritually mature. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your kids. Don't quit on yourself. The one who called you there is going to get you there. Now let's just lift our... Now we used to sing a song in the Jesus movement. It was a good one. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. When I said that in the best service, the nine service, nine o'clock, um, they got the words and they put it up there. So I want us to sing it together because this is...